You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Thompson. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is the city's largest and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting the work of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space, including Ingen Jorgensen, Brenda Sirioni, Daniel Corey, Jill Hoy, and Dave Allen. For complete show details, please visit our website at artcollectormain.com. Love, Maine Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where every body is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at aristel.com. Al Miller is the Artistic Director of The Theatre Project, a nonprofit community-based theatre in Brunswick. He also teaches theatre workshops in various states, as well as Eastern Europe and the Middle East. Thanks for coming in today. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me. Well, we got your name from Dr. Emily Isaacson, who apparently um, really enjoyed her time with you at the Theatre Project in Brunswick. I think it was a little while ago now. It was. Yeah, it was. But apparently you've been doing this work for a little while. Uh, A long time. A long time. How did you start doing this? I came to Maine from the Middle East, and... uh, I took part of a year to write the great American novel, which was awful, and then I needed work, and I saw, um, well actually my then wife saw an advertisement in the paper for um, a summer director for the Portland Children's Theater. And I'd done some directing and with kids in the Middle East, so I applied and got the job and we toured a show. and. I thought this is really fun and that was the beginning so then I started a children's theater in Brunswick I had a Volkswagen camping van that we had used in the Middle East that we brought back and this was before the days of seat belts so I would when we had did a show I'd cram the, the actors in there the actors were junior high and high school kids and we toured to different venues, and eventually we got a real van and toured around the state with um, shows for schools and families and community groups. That's the beginning. Well, it sounds like things are actually even more interesting because you got your bachelor's degree from Williams College and your master's degree from the University of Michigan, and somehow you ended up in Lebanon. Those things don't necessarily follow. No. uh, It's a long story. (laughs) Um, The short version. Short version, yes. Um, I was at Harvard Summer School due to a um, severe deficiency in freshman physics at Williams College, which took a long time to uh, resolve. Uh, And I, it was the... um, summer of 1958 when there was a civil war in Lebanon, Eisenhower sent in the Marines, there was a coup d'etat in Iraq, and there was a civil war in Jordan, and um, King Hussein 
pretty much chased the Palestinians out or some of them. Um, so I got really interested in the Middle East and I had met a Saudi Arab who became a good friend and was going to Amherst and I was going to Williams. So our friendship continued and by the end of the summer I wanted to go to the Middle East. So I asked my friend Saud, how do I get to the Middle East? And he said, um, teach. I'd never thought of teaching. Um, nor surely had my college professors ever thought of my teaching. Um, <clears throat> so I asked him where, he said, apply to the school that I, where I, I went before I came to Amherst, which was a school, a, an old Protestant mission school with a mainly Lebanese board of trustees for kids from Lebanon and the Middle East and a few from Europe. Um, so I applied and just kept applying and I think they hired me so that I'd stop writing them. And that's how I got it. So right after uh, graduating from Williams, I had a job for uh, like two months that summer and then left. How does one get from physics to teaching to being an artistic director in theater? It sounds like maybe there was another path that you might have been going down. A friend, a friend, when I was in school, freshman and sophomore year, you had to take a science. The only science I'd ever liked was biology, and having taken it, I thought, well, I, I shouldn't take it again. So I asked a friend, um, actually a friend from the freshman football team, because we had to be there early, and I said, what am I going to do? What will I take? What will I take? He said, oh, take freshman physics. It's nothing. It's a breeze. So I took it, and it became sophomore physics and junior physics, and then finally, I think from exhaustion, the physics prof passed me. Let me go. This sounds like a pattern. <laughs> the wearing down of people. Yeah, well, maybe just, it is. Yeah, yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. yeah. So what was your field of study initially? Uh, English. English. I, I hesitate because of the word study. As an undergrad, I was a typical, not very serious undergrad. When I went to graduate school, that's when I should have gone to college. That's when I was really interested. So I studied English. You know, that it's like the narrator of The Great Gatsby, that so I was qualified to do nothing but, or anything. And uh, went out to teach English to um, mostly Arab high school kids. And what was your master's degree in? English. But then I was interested. It still didn't have much to do with, well then I taught high school for a couple of years in the States. And then I got the urge to go back to the Middle East and they were looking for someone to head the English department and another program at the same school. So back I went. Is there naturally a connection between drama and English? I mean, I think of Shakespeare obviously, but. Uh, no, well, that way. Um, how, what was my connection? I guess so, yeah. I never did theater when I was in school. Not in elementary, high school, college, never. <clears throat> when I got to the Middle East, um, the when I went back, actually, there was a repertory theater in Lebanon 
who've worked with um, English-speaking people, English-speaking Lebanese, Brits, Americans. And every year they did a show for kids and families, and then they did a couple of other serious shows of Shakespeare and whatever. And um, the phys ed, the head of the phys ed department at the school, when I went back, was a guy who had been the uh, U.S. national trampoline champion. And he also juggled, and I juggled. So he taught me how to do the trampoline, and then we used to juggle some, and people found out, and when they wanted to cast the Emperor's New Clothes, when they wanted to cast the two shysters, they thought, let's get these two guys, because they can roll around and juggle. And So we did it, and um, I loved it. I thought, well, this is really fun which got me to get a theater program going at the school. And later that year, they did Waiting for Godot and asked me to do that, and I did that. And I'm not sure I understood it, because I hadn't studied it in college. And, um, but uh, I loved it. So I think uh, by the time I'd finished, we did a run of maybe three weeks at a little theater in town, and I think by the time I'd finished that, I decided I want to do something with this. So I kept working with kids, and then when I came back here, started something. And two years ago, did Waiting for Godot again. Do you understand it better now? I do. I do. It, it's, it's interesting that you had zero background. I mean, a lot of people in the theater, it's from, like, they... they they're born and they begin breathing theater. Mm -hmm. And you had zero background and just almost on a whim, they cast you in this production. And then all of a sudden it just kind of opened up something inside. Yeah. Is that something that you see yourself with children these days? D do I see it in kids? Yeah, is that an experience that's common in children? I don't know. I think what I, what I infer from it is if we're open, we'll find what we want to do. I never would have guessed that I'd do theater, nor before that I never would have guessed that I would teach. And once I decided to teach as a way to get to the Middle East, I wouldn't have said that I'm going to be crazy about it. And then I ended up loving teaching. And um, I would say if there's some force that some mystical way leads us where uh, where we ought to be that um, it was successful with me. I think I'm doing, I'm, I have a dream job. Yeah, I love what I do. I get to teach, I get to write, I get to direct. I clowned for a while, I act once in a while, and uh, I, and I work with people all the time. So, where'd that come from? I, I sort of stumbled into it, but it's all worked. What about your family? Does your family have any background in the arts? No, no. Uh, no, my mother did something with children's theater, but I'm, I, she helped start a theater in my hometown. And I think I... No, I don't think. I vaguely remember this. I tried out for something when I was about nine or ten years old, 
And I remember my mother saying to me, she worked with another woman uh, running this little theater, the Junior Theater, I think it was called, um, and her saying to me at home uh, that I, she couldn't put me in the play because she worked at the theater, but that I was very good. I said, oh, thanks, and never took another step toward theater until stumbling into it with juggling. Obviously, people are very um, attached to their childhood experiences in, in the arts, music, theater, um, because we've had multiple people who have said to us, oh, I worked with Al Miller at the Theater Project, and I still remember, and they can give very exact <laughs> details about oh, their really? experiences. And there are lots of things in childhood that we do that we don't remember at all. Or if we remember them, they certainly don't have positive connotations. Mm -hmm. What is it about what you are offering that you think has such appeal? Well, I think theater is fun. I think um, when we get older, it scares us. Oh, I could never do that. I hear that all the time. Oh, my God. oh I could never get up there and do that. Um, kids are more experimental. Uh, it's fun. Um, they learn responsibility because in the end they're doing it. Whether I'm the director or somebody else is, we're not doing it. They're out there. There you go. Go get them. Um, <clears throat> there are different ways to communicate in theater. Sometimes I've found, especially in work in schools, the teachers will say, uh, Billy has never spoken once in class, and here he is doing these, this amazing work and this project that involves theater. Theater isn't the only way. Music is another way. Dance is another way. The outdoors is another way. But kids, we do know that not all kids learn the same way. And, and we can also remember when we were kids, we did the stuff that was fun. What do you do? You go out and play. And, and often we're doing theater kind of play. You make up stories, you, whether it's cops and robbers or prince and princess or whatever it is. So, so that's in us. Plus, I think people love storytelling. I don't think they would say that necessarily. But I still find when I'm storytelling that there's sort of this hubbub at the beginning and then it turns into, if it's a good story, it turns into listening and really being involved. I don't think we don't know that. Kids don't know that necessarily. Now they do all these quick change things, the electronic stuff, and I mean, I'm an old guy, I get it, but I, <clears throat> I, I don't do it like a kid. I ask my grandchildren, how do you do this? Um, but they'll also sit down and listen to a story. And if they bite, like if they wanna come in and try something at the theater, shy or a pain or or interested, or, yeah, I just thought I'd try this, you know, I've done all these other things at school. Um, 
usually they'll they'll get involved. They like it, and it's them. Did that make sense? That it's they're expressing, <clears throat> they're expressing their understanding of this part, their understanding of the play. I I've done Shakespeare with high school kids in, at the theater project, not in schools. One, they learn the lines in one twentieth of the time it would take me to learn the lines, and two, if I work through it with them, which I do. What are you saying there? What does that mean? Okay, we got to figure that out. So, all right, here's the deal. Nobody says anything that you don't understand. We stop, we figure it out. Then they do a performance that's just live. Is it what? And Shakespeare probably would have liked it. And I've had older people say, you know, that's the first time I understood Shakespeare when I, I saw that. So that's a, for me, that's a kick. And I also believe in it because there's a kid growing. Is it interesting to you that in this day and age where you can access almost anything at almost any time visually, you go on YouTube or you can listen to an audio book, um, or, you know, people have their own live channels where they're doing, I don't know, basically like I'm going to go shopping for my kids at Walmart and I'm going to put it up on YouTube and it's going to get like 1.4 million views. <laughs> but all of that and we still want to see Harry Potter 1 and 2 on stage in London. We still want to go to New York and see live shows that sell out. I mean, we have access to anything we want and we still want to see live theater. What do you think of that? Well, there are three other people in this room. One behind me and one to the side there and you in front of me. I'd much rather talk to each one of you than to somehow see it screened. I'm not, who is this person? Who is this person? Who is that person? What's going on? That's that's what's interesting. And if the, I think what gets us about theater, it gets me, I'm both sides of the lights. What gets us about theater is, I'm watching human beings up there if I'm in the audience. They, if they slip up, there it is. It's not, okay, let's erase that. And put, so, if they slip up, but they're trying, I'm pulling for them so hard. And, uh, and usually they pull it off. I remember seeing a show, it was actually um, at the um, Shaw Festival in Canada. <laughs> and a, a female character came down, the audience was on both sides and in the back, and she came down between the audiences on the side and there was a fan on the stage that was a part of the set, and she had a, on a boa. And when she got close to the fan, the boa started to blow across her face, and she kept putting it down, and it would blow again, and it would blow right across her mouth and nose, so it was sort of tickling her nose. And you could see her fighting laughter. And finally, she had to give in, and she started to laugh. 
And then she pulled herself together and went on with the show. The whole audience applauded. Like they'd seen this, look at what she did. We love that. We love that. I think that's part of what what it is. I think we love a polished production. I mean, you mentioned New York. But I, I think, you know, I don't tell anybody to go out there and mess up. But, you know, if you do, you're, you're still out there. Go, go. Somebody will pick you up. Go. Which is also a nice thing in, in working with people in a show to develop an ensemble feeling so that everybody's looking after everybody else. Nobody's going to say, well, what did you do that for? They're going to be picking each other up. That's a good thing. That's a good thing to learn. Yeah, I think that's that's the opposite side of what people have gotten concerned about with children, which is that this is kind of the uh, kids on stage culture these days, that they're mm. all so used to having their photos taken. They're also used to being on video and selfies. and yeah. um, But you know, in real life, if you're actually going to do drama, then it's not just about you. And you actually have to do things differently and learn different skills. Right. Do you think that one of the things that adults have difficulty with as they get older is the fact that we are expected to be perfect as we age? We're supposed to be really good at whatever it is that we're now doing, and so now we can't do drama because then we might need to fail. <laughs> uh, well, I'm old enough to no longer need to be perfect, so that's good. Um, I'm almost there too, so that's a good thing. Oh, no, you're not. No, no, not quite yet? Okay. No, 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 All right. No. Um, maybe. Maybe, I, and I think kids get that too, because I think there's a lot of pressure on kids now. You're gonna do this, then you're gonna do that, then you're gonna do this, you know. Where's the playtime? Where's that, okay, let me know when you're done. It's a different world, but I, I still have conversations with, not people who are as old as I am, but people who are anywhere between 55 and 80 maybe. Um, who say, when I was growing up, you you left the house in the morning. And if you had to be at home for lunch, then either your mom was hollering out the door or you got yourself home because you knew you'd be in trouble if you didn't get home when you were supposed to be there for lunch. And then you took off again when you didn't have school. After school, you did what you did. You got home on time. There wasn't that nervousness and also there wasn't the kind of programming a lot of which there is now it's not 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 everybody does it you've got ballet on this day and you've got theater class on this day and then you're studying for the college boards on this day and then ah. <laughs> so um, I think the freedom makes a difference and if you have more freedom when you're young you still grow out of it, but you, you at least remember it. And when we're adults, I don't know, there's a lot of pressure. But we only take this ride once as far as we know, so kind of a sad thing if you get to be 
65, 70, 75 and say, oh, I wish I had. There's always some of that. But for the bulk of your life, I wish I had done this or that. So change whenever you can. Are you listening out there? <laughs> I hope so. And I'm not quite as old as the age range you just said, but I remember that my my mother would send my younger brothers and I and sisters and I, we would all go out into the neighborhood. And the idea was that you come home when the street lights go on. So you could stay out as long as it was dark. It was yeah, there you almost go. to the place where you could not see and the street lights came in and on and you all went home. And yeah. I mean, that's... I don't, my kids don't really do that. I mean, they're all older now, but it, I think there is something lost with all the scheduling of stuff that, you know, every hour seems to need to be accounted for. Yeah, yeah. I remember with our kids, um, who are all grown up, I think three of them are older than I am now, but with our kids, um, when they were, especially when they were teenagers, uh, young teenagers, wanting to hang around the house, and their mom or I saying, get out of the house, go, go, do something, go. I just want to go, get out. And then they'd go out and they'd find something to do and it would be good, yeah. And now we don't have them in the house enough. Some of us, they're so busy doing other things yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, That's It's kind of we've gone a little too far in the other direction. Yeah, some, uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, it's not all bad, I, I mean, I, I for example, the theater project has been around for how many years? Oh, it's going on, I don't know, 45, 46, or, yeah, a long time. So that's a nice thing that has evolved and has become available for kids in Maine, you know, that wasn't at one time available. Yeah. You know, we actually have arts organizations where kids can gain great benefit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's good. And we have a good open attitude toward kids. Do you ever get children who come in because their parents think that this is a good idea for them rather than them thinking that it's a good idea for themselves? Yeah, not very often, but yes. So how do you and, deal with that? Uh, if, I, if I sense that and the kid is old enough, I'll say, did you want to do this? Really? Uh, no. My uh, mother told me, I, oh, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Okay. Let me know. And then if a, if a kiddo doesn't want to do it, talk to the parent and say, you know, Johnny doesn't really want to do this. I mean, we'd love to have him, but not if he doesn't want to do it. Usually, um, usually if they come in under pressure, they end up liking it, but sometimes not. And then what happens to they? quit or do they find another role within what you're doing or if they don't like it yeah and if they don't like it one of us would whoever's teaching the class or directing the show would say if you're gonna if you're gonna do this you need to you need to be willing to do these things these are the things we do if you don't want to do those Maybe you don't want to be here. I'd love to have you here, but decide if you want to be here or not. And the language varies depending on the age of the kiddo. And if they're really on the younger end of the spectrum, it's 
speak to the parents and say, does, does Billy really want to do this? Or Betty? Are you sometimes able to find, like some kids don't want to be on stage, but they don't <clears throat> mind painting sets. They don't mind being behind the scenes. Are you sometimes uh, able some, to? Sometimes, uh, because of the nature of the building we work in, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we, there isn't a lot of set painting and that sort of stuff that we do. If a kiddo really wanted to learn how to do the lights, we'd try to arrange that or help. Do you want to help with the production? Yeah, okay, then we'll find something. You can help the stage manager, you can help with the costumes, and see how you like that. And if you want to just get out of here, then probably that's what you want to do. And then if you feel like you want to come back later, come back. I like it. You're giving them the chance to make a decision about what really should be play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they I, do call it the play. Yes, exactly. I remember a mother saying, yes, you will, uh, growling. Well, I appreciate uh, your taking the time to come in today and the work that you've done, clearly making a huge imprint upon children around the state of Maine. I've been speaking with Al Miller, who is the artistic director of the Theater Project, a nonprofit community-based theater in Brunswick. He also teaches theater workshops in various states, as well as Eastern Europe and the Middle East. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. And have fun. Thanks. I will. Love, Maine Radio is brought to you by Maine Magazine, Aristel, Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine. Audio production and original music are by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producers are Paul Koenig and Brittany Cost. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Rebecca Falzano, and Dr. Lisa Belisle. For more information on our production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.